want to kind of look at Sabbath. I am going to do a Sabbath series uh, at some point, but like I said, there's so many things to talk about. Mark 2, verse 27 says this, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. And what I want you to see is that you guys have a choice, ultimately. We go back to creation, and we see that what God did in six days, and then he rested on the seventh, he called that day special. He called it special because he wanted to protect it. And not just protect this day, it was actually more to protect you by this day. And that's the key. You can recognize this day as holy or you can reject it. That's your choice. And as we look at God's word, that's what you're going to be able to see. So remember that this day is made for you. You weren't made for this day. God did this as a gift and as a blessing for us. So there is an order of creation. Man was made first and then the Sabbath. Even that is intentional. He didn't make the Sabbath and then man, but man and then he made the Sabbath for man. Ezekiel 20 verse 12 says, Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. So, this is important. A, God gave us the Sabbaths, and he says, as a sign. A sign between us and God. That's important. I would say that, you know, we should probably pay attention to that if the Sabbath is a sign. Not only that, but he says, why? A sign that, what? That they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. So, the first thing that God does is to basically turn Adam to him, to, to turn him around and say, your focus is to be on me, and I'm giving you this day to make sure your focus stays on me. Exodus 16, verse 4 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. So, again, the background here is this. Israel is getting initiated, getting adjusted into their wilderness experience, right? And it isn't going well for them right off the bat. They're, they're starting to, well, they think they're starving. They're not starving, but they're hungry, right? And they're beginning to complain and say, it would have been better for us to stay in Egypt than it would have been for us to come out here to die in the wilderness, Kind of basically a slap in God's face, being unappreciative of all the blessings, all the deliverance that he's done for them. And now they come into this little bump in the road, and the first thing they do is turn their back on God. Been there, done that, right? Okay. Well, anyway, God responds to them by saying that he's going to feed them bread from heaven. But there are going to be rules to this. There are going to be rules to this food that I'm going to give you. He says, six days you are to go out and you can collect this food. But on the seventh day, he didn't say it would be good for you to rest. He didn't say you might want to rest. He said you must rest. So it wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. 
you aren't to collect any on the seventh day. You're supposed to collect twice as much on the sixth day, and you're supposed to trust that then everything's going to be fine. It's going to be there for you on Monday or on Sunday, but on the Saturday, no. All right. Exodus 16 is going to continue here and tell us why he did it this way. That I might test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Don't kid yourself, guys. You're still in a test. Under even the cross, you are under a test. We can claim Jesus all we want, but just like you know, Don was saying last night in Matthew, there are going to people. People are going to go before the Lord and say, "Lord, Lord, we we commanded demons. We perform miracles in your name. We love you." And he's saying, I don't know who you are. You don't love me because you weren't keeping my commandments, you worker of iniquity, you worker of lawlessness. So don't kid yourself. There's still a test. And again, I'm not saying you're earning your way to salvation. I get tired of saying that over and over, but otherwise when people listen to this, they're going to hear works righteousness. It's not what this is. It's what John says. If you love me, or Jesus saying in John, if you love me, you will do what I say. You will keep my commandments. If is a kind of an important word there. That's like a test. If you do this, you pass. If you don't, you lose. You fail. Right? So, out of the 613 Jewish commandments, what I find interesting is that this is the one that he chooses to emphasize. This is the one of the Ten Commandments that has a blessing that goes with it. The only one. So, I also want you to keep in mind the timing of when God is giving this. This is in Exodus 16. The Ten Commandments have not even been given yet. Right? That's not going to happen until chapter 20. This is unique. This is separate. This is a mark of God. And I mean that in a very literal sense. One of the things that I'm going to talk about soon is I'm going to kind of talk about what Daniel Joseph did in reference to the mark of the beast because I think it is vital and very important to understand this. That there is a mark, the devil has a mark, we read about it in the book of Revelation, and it is to go on your forehead and it is to go on your hand. Guess what? God has a mark too. The only reason that this mark is on the forehead and on the hand is because Satan always imitates what God does. God already has a mark on your forehead and on your hand, and it's all in Scripture. The commandments of God. We'll talk about that here later. In verse 25 of the same chapter, it goes on and it says, Then Moses said, Eat that day, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather, but on the seventh day the Sabbath there will be none. Okay, On that Sabbath there's no manna. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. So now we're seeing how the Israelites are doing with this test. Some of them are passing, some are failing. Note again what he calls this. Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to you. No, a Sabbath 
to the Lord, not a Sabbath to yourself. This isn't for you to be entertained or whatever. This is to give glory to God. You will be blessed by it, and it is for you, ultimately, but it's God's Sabbath, not man's Sabbath. Not only the purpose, but also who gets to declare when it is and what you're supposed to do on it. You aren't the one that gets to decide to do that. God is the one who gets to decide what to do on the Sabbath, according to his word. So it's easy for us, when our fridge is full, our pantry is overflowing, to, for us to look at these Israelites and say, you idiots, you just got out and already you're rejecting the one command that he's giving you? But remember, they had nothing. I mean, really nothing. No food. They had no money. They, they didn't have a 401k. I really believe that probably 99% of us, and I'm in that 99%, would probably fail that same test. If I put myself into their shoes, you give me three days of suffering. Uh, you know, we've been uh, fasting every Wednesday, and I'll tell you what, by that end of the night, I can't, almost every week, it's like, you know, this might be my last week I do this. <laughs> you know? You give me three, four, five days of that, I'm not going to be any different. I, too, will be tested. And guys, I think that we've had it pretty easy. I, I think so far it's been kind of like the kindergarten exam. But there may be a day in the very near future where this test is going to be a little greater, a little harder, kind of more like your technician test there maybe, right, Deb? <laughs> anyway. Numbers 15.32 says, Now while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to the congregation, and they put him under guard because it had not been explained what should be done to him. So he broke the Sabbath, but they didn't know what the consequence of it was going to be. And by the way, when I say you're going to be tested, I believe you're being tested right now to some extent. God says honor the Sabbath, and we say, yeah, but God, i got to work today. I got to make money, right? I got to do this. I got to do that. Um, you know, well, we're under grace, so it's okay. Justify it that way or whatever. Yes, we are under grace, but I'm talking about the attitude of your heart. Do you hold this as so special, so dear, so important that you are willing to give up and surrender all for God? The Sabbath is Saturday. There is no question about that. And we're going to talk about that when we go into deeper detail of the Sabbath. I, I, I think I can prove that to you in Scripture and in history without a shadow of a doubt. Now, you might say, because of the, what we, the, the society we've grown up in, gee whiz God, lighten up. He was picking up sticks. I'm sure he was cold. He just wanted to light a fire. What's going to happen to him? Well, let me show you how serious God sees this in the next verse, in verse 35. Then the Lord said to Moses, The man must surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So as the Lord commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died. Wow. 
You want to talk about, man, God, lighten up? What do you think God would say to you if you said, geez, God, are you sure you did the right thing there? Maybe it's not God that has the problem, but it's our attitude towards this Sabbath that is the problem. This is a God thing, not a man thing. And clearly, scripturally speaking, God sees this as a very serious thing. Um, by the way, do you know in the New Testament, do you know what one of the things was to determine if a man was a Christian or not? I'm using that word Christian like if he, he was a God follower. Did he keep the Sabbath? Remember when Yeshua was healing on the Sabbath? What are they saying? Surely this man is of the devil because he does not keep the Sabbath. You want to talk about a pretty big marker to say whether they were believers or not was whether they were keeping the Sabbath. Whether they were truly God followers. Now again, as we've talked about before, Yeshua was not breaking the Sabbath. Okay, that's what they were seeing because he was breaking man-made traditions, but he wasn't breaking God's word, the, the Sabbath there. We'll talk about that another time. I feel it is important, even though the church today is going to tell you otherwise. I'm, I'm kind of out on a limb here talking about this because most people in the church today are going to basically say this is legalism, legalism, Jesus got rid of that, you don't have to do it, or it's been changed to Sunday, or whatever. Even if it had been changed to Sunday, believe me, guys, you're not keeping the Sabbath. Okay, not, not with what we're doing. Even if that were true, which it's not. Now, again, I'm not putting you under legalism, but I am encouraging you, just like I'd encourage you not to steal, not to commit adultery, not to commit murder, to honor your father and mother, or any other of the nine commandments. But somehow, we all of a sudden, when we get to the Ten Commandments, it's like, well, those nine are good, but this one, hey, there's football on Sunday, or there's, you know, I've got a game, or I've got, you know, I've got to go work because I didn't get it done yesterday, or whatever. Do we really esteem the Word of God so highly that we will meditate on this and say, is God really asking us to do this? Numbers 15.37 goes on and it says, Again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners, and you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined, and that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. I wish I had one more night because I, one of these times I also want to talk about the seat seat because this is what God is talking about here. Is he said, so that you do not forget this Sabbath, you are to put these tassels on your garments, these seat seats they're called. And you're supposed to put one blue thread in the center of it and that blue thread is to remind you of the commandments. Now it's a special kind of blue, all of that. When I talk about the seat seat, I'll give you more. Last night we were talking about Zechariah 8.23 where it says that ten Gentiles are going to grab a hold of the hem of a Jew and say, take us with you. 
That word hem is the same word that's describing here the tzitzit. In other words, he's saying that in the end times, Gentiles are going to grab onto the commandments of God. And that's what needs to happen. I am convinced of that. And like I said, we'll talk a lot more about that and why I don't have tzitzits on. Okay? There's a reason, and you're going to see that. But that'll be another night. But for now, I want you to see that verse 37 is giving this command. Why? So that we remember, so that we do, and that we are holy. These fringes are instituted now, not when the, uh, uh, you know, the commandments before, but f- for specifically for these commandments. He could have given them when he crossed the Red Sea. He could have given them at any other big event. Why now? Because he's saying, I want you to remember the commands. Look at this here in John chapter 9, verse 13. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now, it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again, now he had received his sight, or how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. This is what I was telling you about before. The first century Jews identified that one was with God or not with God by whether they kept the Sabbath. How far we have fallen. Now, they did misjudge because they misunderstood the Sabbath. I'm going to give you that. Don't get me wrong. But it shows the mindset of the Sabbath and how important it was. Isaiah 56.1 Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who lays hold on it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Kind of like what we talked about last night as well, when he says, for my salvation is about to come, this is that Yeshuati, Yeshua, okay, Ati, that that T is is my, it personalizes it. So, Yeshua, salvation, Shua, and Ati, Shuati, is my salvation. This is basically saying the name of God. Here the prophecy is about the dispensation of grace through Yeshua who was going to come. That's what this is a prophecy about. Remember what Romans says? But now a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness apart from the law who is Christ. Right? The law does not make you righteous. Keeping the Sabbath is not going to make you righteous. Ever. You can be perfect in keeping the Sabbath. That is not going to get you one step closer to heaven. Your salvation is in Yeshua and Yeshua alone, not in keeping the Sabbath. Keeping the Sabbath, God made it for you so that now you are going to be sanctified through Yeshua, through the Spirit, and He protects you because you are keeping those commandments. So if you're not keeping them, I don't believe that it's not that you're not a Christian. I think there will be a lot of Christians in heaven who didn't keep the Sabbath. But they are missing out both here and eternally with blessings. Keeping the Sabbath for us is rest. You can see verses in Isaiah as well that 
Um, if you go, we're not supposed to be doing things for our own pleasure. Okay, it's supposed to be doing things that are holy for God, for others, and resting. You're, well, there are some things. If we read Scripture, it says you know you're not to light a fire. Now that the, here's what's happened though: the Pharisees have gone this, taken it so far. Even Orthodox Jews today, that means you're not supposed to even turn a light on. They see that as lighting a fire. So what they'll often do is hire a Gentile, a goyim, to to come into their home, a goy, to turn the lights on for them. Would you go turn the lights on? That's how ridiculous it is. That's what was going on in Jesus' day too. They built this fence around the law and they made all these extra rules. And don't do that. God wants your heart is what he's asking. He wants your heart on that Sabbath to give it to him that day to be restful. I'll tell you this, that when we started doing the Sabbath as a family, I remember hearing people talk about what, what a blessing it is and how they, when the Sabbath comes, we, we just want it to drag out till midnight. We want every minute of it. You know, it's just a great day. And I'll be honest, all my life going to church on Sunday, there wasn't a single day that I was thinking, man, I wish this would be a longer day or we could do this three days a week. Not a single one. Since I've been keeping the Sabbath, I'm telling you, I can't wait for Saturday to come. I absolutely love it. I call it a delight. My kids will tell you the same thing. They love the Sabbath. Am I right? Yeah, that well, wasn't a very a convincing report. one. That'll go yeah. well on the video. Okay, well, I know that because they've told me this. Yes, 100%. So, the point being is, I'm not caught up in, like, oh, can I do this? Oh, oh I'm in trouble if I do this on this Sabbath. It's about the heart, and it's about giving God honor and glory and resting and spending time with him. I have learned so much because I'm, I'm, we'll watch you know, Daniel Joseph. We'll go do our own Bible study. We come over here and we pray together as a family. And it's brought us closer. It's just encouraged us. And if anybody wants to say that that's been legalistic and shame on you for doing that, I don't care. Because I've experienced the blessings of keeping the Sabbath. People have, had told me that in the past. I didn't understand it, but I get it now. And this is why I tell you this, because I want you to experience the same joy that I have on the Sabbath. So, anyway, my salvation says, blessed is the man who does this. That's what I'm talking about. Isaiah 56.1 I'm at 22 minutes here, and I said 20 minutes, so I'm, uh, I'm trying to keep this to, to keep my word here. But do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree, for thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths. Okay, I've got to stop right there for a moment. Who's a eunuch? These are Gentiles, folks. And I think I've told you this before, but I love, love, love this verse because do you remember Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch? The Ethiopian eunuch is uh, riding in his chariot. He's reading from Isaiah 
53, and he doesn't know what he's saying. Philip, God tells him, go over to this chariot. He goes there, and he says, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip's like, well, let me tell you. And he starts telling him about Yeshua because that's what Isaiah 53 is all about. And what I love about this is it tells us that he was an Ethiopian eunuch. He gets baptized. Then Philip is taken off. He's gone, you know, however God did that. And then I'll bet you money that Ethiopian eunuch continued to read. And I would have loved to have been in his chariot about 20 minutes later, because as he continues to read, this is where he would have been reading. Do not let the son of a foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying the Lord has utterly separated me from his people. This Ethiopian eunuch could have been thinking that very thing. Nor let the eunuch, his ears would have perked up, say... I'm just a dry tree, for thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant. Even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Can you imagine this Ethiopian eunuch who just got baptized, who just realized what has happened there in Jerusalem with Jesus dying on the cross, and now it's like God has sent him a personal letter of love. I love that. So, some you know, would like to tell you, oh, that's just a Jewish thing, but this verse is showing us, no, this is not a Jewish thing. This is for the Gentiles too. The same rules apply to the Jew as it does for us. There is no dual covenant theology, which again, we'll talk about some other time. He says, don't even say such things that these promises aren't for you. But he says, but you're supposed to be keeping the covenant, calling it a delight as well, holding fast to my covenant. All right, really the last slide. Isaiah 56, 6 continues, Also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him, these foreigners, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. You know that joyful in the house of prayer. Very few Christians today, I think, could come and pray for an hour even a half hour. Five minutes would be a long time. We've been coming over as a family, just sometimes just Noah and I, and we'll be praying for a half hour, 45 minutes. Sometimes Eden or Josiah will join us, and, and we can pray for close to an hour. Selah's been there too. We can pray, and it, time just goes right by. It's joyful to be in prayer. Anyway, their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer. You want to know how healthy your church is? Have a fall festival. Let's see how many people show up. Have a Sunday service. Let's see how many people show up. Have a prayer meeting. Let's see how many people show up. And yet God says, my house is to be a house of prayer. That's going to tell you a lot in the state of what, you know, what state the church is in today. We need to become a house of prayer.
Now, by the way, that the Hebrew word here for serve, you know, to serve him, it's sharat, and it means to minister or to attend as a worshiper. That's what Shabbat is really all about. Worshiping God and giving him glory. And once again, the Sabbath is compared ultimately to the totality of the law. Here's what he's saying. All, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath, you hold fast to my covenant. So I think you can see why the devil has gone against the Sabbath. He knows that if he can destroy the Sabbath, that's the very foundation upon which everything else is built. Now, by the way, Yeshua is Lord of the Sabbath too. So ultimately that's Yeshua, but they're one in one. I mean, Yeshua is Torah. That's what he is. He is the word of God. You can't separate it. Without Yeshua, you lose it all. So we're going to, these are just some of the arguments that we're going to look at when we go through the Sabbath more, not tonight, but these are the arguments we hear. Well, didn't Jesus you know, like make the Sabbath null and void because he broke it all the time? Okay. Or people will say, well, I think every day is a Sabbath. You know, every day is a Sabbath to the Lord. Well, who decided that, you or God? Uh, or you can pick whatever day you want as long as you have one day of the week. I used to believe that to some extent myself. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about these issues. Um, that now we have a Sunday Sabbath that, you know, that was changed. The, the disciples, Jesus, because he rose on Sunday, you know, that kind of thing. We'll, we'll discuss that. And that the Saturday Sabbath is only for the Jews, and the Sunday Sabbath is for the Christians. That's an argument that's out there. Or that it's not commanded in the New Testament to do this. These are all arguments that are out there that keep people from doing this. We'll look at those, just not tonight. So anyway, this is just to whet your, your appetite a little bit to think about the Sabbath because this is what God's Word says, that on the first and the last day of this festival, you are to have a Sabbath. And so pray about it, think about it, and we'll just uh, close in prayer.